Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Nita Landry from the Emmy Award-winning TV show, The Doctors. I'm asking her a ton of what would normally be considered TMI questions, but I don't think they should be because we all have bodies. Bodies are weird. Sometimes they do weird stuff. And I am such an advocate for knowing yourself, knowing you're normal. This is something that I keep saying over and over. We need to listen to our bodies. But what if you're listening and you don't know, is this good or bad or weird or normal or what? So I think it's important to get comfortable with sometimes awkward questions. That's why I am asking them publicly. I would like to note that I'm Mexican, went to Catholic school. I was not raised in an environment where we really talked openly and freely about our bodies or sex or reproductive health, any of that. So this might be a little awkward if my mom is listening, because I started off with a sex question. I'm just letting you know from the start that that's what we're talking about today. Nothing is inappropriate. Nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with anything I'm saying, but I know that we're all different. And how we think of these things is all kind of different and on a spectrum. So just a heads up, we're just talking about our bodies. And I think it's important to be informed. So I hope to just kind of start the conversation. Maybe you can chat about this with your friends, your doctor, I don't know, a stranger at the dog park. Maybe that's not appropriate, but let's just get comfortable asking random questions, sharing random things with each other, right? This is a circle of trust, or is it the trust tree? I'm not familiar. Just making it up as I go along, just like anything else, right? But before we get into that, let's warm up. Let's start off by talking about running, shall we? I think we shall. Wouldn't it be funny if I said shall all the time? Like if I talked in Shakespearean English? No, it wouldn't. All right. So last weekend, I ran the Lexus Lace-Up Half Marathon in Irvine, California. That is in Orange County. It's on the West Coast of North America. In case you're not familiar, just trying to put it on a map for you. And it was warm. Maybe that's an understatement. It was really hot. It's been abnormally humid here lately, or it was last week. And when you're not used to that, it really makes you droop. Like I feel like droop is the best word to describe how I feel when I am running in humidity. Because normally when I run, the sweat kind of starts to evaporate, cools you off, right? So you sweat and then evaporates, supposed to cool you off. That's what's supposed to happen. That's the point of sweat. Listen, I'm not a doctor. We're talking to one later in the show. That is my description of sweating and cooling off your body. Science. That wasn't happening. That's It doesn't happen when it's humid. It just stays on you. And then now your clothes are getting sweatier and heavier and you droop, right? Yeah. Anyways, in addition to the droop, I was not feeling good at all. There was something up 
with my stomach. And I just thought it was because I ate dinner late. And I will put a link in the show notes, runeatrepeat.com to my race recap. I also have a discount code for the other. There are three other Lexus lace-up races coming up this year. And there's a discount code Monica10 if you want to run any of those. And I also have a discount code for Rock and Roll Arizona, some of the Revo races. I'll put a link to the race discounts page up there too. So you can check all that out and we'll have a good time. But I just kind of wanted to give you my random thoughts on my race recap. So I ate dinner very late the night before. I don't super prepare, do pre-race rituals before a half marathon for the most part, because I try to stay in half marathon shape. I mostly run them for fun. I don't know if I've ever actively went after half marathon PR. As long as I'm running it under two hours, I'm happy. And I really just want to have a good time. But I didn't have a good time. I didn't have a good time. It was a little bit of a good time because I ran with Kristen at Stuffed Mama on Instagram, by the way. But I just could not fit. I just thought it was because I ate dinner so late. And I was like, I don't know what is my deal. I just could not get in a zone and just felt not good. Like it's hard to describe because you know, when you're not feeling great and you're trying to kind of pinpoint, like, what is it? Is it something I ate? Am I getting sick? Is it time of the month? Like what is going on? Which I mean, is what you're really supposed to do, right? You're supposed to be curious, ask questions, trying to assess what's going on with yourself instead of immediately just getting upset. I just think it was, I ate dinner too late and I don't know, had cramps. It was bloated. I don't even know. So then yesterday, my mom had told me that my little brother got sick and I had seen them like two nights before the race. Two nights, one night. I don't know. (laughs) So my mom says that my little brother got sick and it was like, oh, I probably, because I was hanging out with them, like got whatever, I don't know, little bug. Or I really thought actually when she first said that, it was probably something we ate because we had dinner together. I was like, oh, something we ate was a little off. Because she said she was feeling a little sick too. I'm like, man, it was something we ate. (laughs) I pick up my little brother from school yesterday and we're driving home. And he was like, man, I threw, he was like, I was sick. I was like, oh yeah, mom mentioned it. And he's like, I threw up. Luckily no one saw. And I'm like, wait, where would people be seeing you throw up? Like, I just thought this was uh, just randomly. I don't even know. On the weekend, I just assumed he was home because my mom had said he was sick. He threw up at school in a bush. I just like, I'm like, what is going on? I didn't realize he was that sick. And the more question I asked, the more I realized that he probably had some sort of flu situation. He was like actually sick. And now I'm more grateful that I just felt a little off and didn't throw up mid race. But yeah, those are the little adventures of that. I want to give a shout out to my immune system for in spite of the fact that I did not fuel well, I feel like that sounded like fill well, but I'm saying fuel well. I did not fuel well or in a smart manner before the race. 
And I still managed though to complete a 13.1 mile race on a very hot and humid day when I wasn't feeling sick and potentially was fighting off some sort of legit stomach bug. I was just like, "Ah, I'm so dumb for eating dinner late. Shout out to my immune system for not just giving up on me and saying, you know what? You know what? You have pushed it too far and we're going to make you super sick. Like I said, I will put links in the show notes. You can check out runningrepeat.com. I'll put um, a picture up from the race and a link to the recap and race discounts page. So all of that fun stuff is there. I have also a super quick little gear hack on the run it repeat Instagram. So check that out. Everyone has been just like so many people responding. We're like, Oh my gosh, I have to try this. I'm super excited. And it makes me very excited because I have been running for so long. And I think I have my processes in place, but this is just a super easy way to, uh, on laundry day, categorize, roll up your clothes so that it's an outfit and you can just grab and go. I think it is like gear prep for a whole week's worth of workouts. Like you do meal prep, right? And you prep a week's worth of meals or week's worth of lunches. I think that this is such a life hack. I want to apply it to everything ever. So you can check that out on the Run Eat Repeat Instagram. And speaking of Run Eat Repeat Instagram, at least once a week, sometimes more, I put up a question box in my Instagram stories for a call out for questions. People ask questions. I answer them. Last week, I think I answered two really kind of longer questions. One was, what is the stride and how do you do them? They didn't ask how do you do them, but I made it a complete video that I posted on Run It Repeat as well that explains what it is and how do you do it. And that was kind of a probably came from me mentioning them recently when I was doing the run faster challenge. So that is up to, and then how to make friends, which I actually think considering I keep saying I don't have friends, I know how to make them because even my mom said that was a really good video. Like the how to make friends video. We joke that my mom has a lot of friends and I'm like, how do I not have any friends? And you are a social person. Like, how did you not teach me how to make friends? Why do I have no friends? Mother. And she's like, I don't know why you're a weirdo. She doesn't really say that, but I think she thinks it. The point is, there are a couple of videos up. I'm telling you this because I answer these questions. So if you have a question, you can always leave it there or you can stop, drop, and do a voicemail to 562 562- 888-1644. You can do that right now. Or if you have a question that you want to send over via email, what I do, because I run a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of books and I stop and take notes sometimes to remember certain things, especially because because of the podcast, because of the blog, I sometimes want to share a something that I'm learning or a special point, or if I'm going to do a review, I want to remember specific things. It's super helpful. But in a case like this, if you ever have a random question, stop putting your notes up potentially, and then you can email it to runeatrepeat at gmail.com. 
And that should be fairly easy to remember, right? But that will also be in the show notes so that you can check it out there. You don't actually have to think or remember anything. If you just want to zone out, have a good run. Okay. Now let's get into all of the questions, potentially TMI, with Dr. Nita Landry. Dr. Nita Landry is a board-certified OBGYN with a focus on working with young women to promote safe sexual practices, healthy pregnancies, and disease prevention. In addition to practicing medicine, she's also a reoccurring host on The Doctor's TV Show. I'll put her contact info in the show notes so you can follow her. And her website has some great videos and clips from the show that I thought were really interesting. So if you'd like to learn more, if this topic is your jam, make sure to check that out too. Dr. Nita, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Runners are surprisingly comfortable talking about TMI topics. We just get this comfort level either as we're kind of on runs with each other in honesty hour on race day in and out of the porta potties, we go there. So we're fairly comfortable with these topics that would normally be tiptoed around a little bit. So I kind of wanted to just jump right into it and start with the sex question because I was recently having a debate with a male friend. <laughs> I know. And we were, and we were just kind of talking about, he used to be, superstitious and kind of tied it into a justification for whether or not to have sex before basketball games when he used to play and said that he was told you're not supposed to. And then we kind of got into a debate of whether or not if do those rules apply to women and or is there any truth in it? So he was kind of saying that it's bad to have sex before a hard workout or competition And I was like, randomly curious. So I wanted to ask an expert if there is any scientific basis for that. Well, first of all, I love that you and other runners are open about these topics because so many people are not. And as a gynecologist, you know, I just want everybody to ask all the questions they want to ask, right? But to answer your question, first of all, most of this research has been done by men from the perspective of men, uh, but the the hard research, the hard scientific evidence does not suggest that there is truly a reason to avoid sex before athletics. You have a lot of different kind of random explanations floating out around, like floating around there. Um, but one example of an explanation people will use is just because of the frustration aggression hypothesis. Meaning if you are sexually frustrated, you'll use that frustration to fuel as fuel to defeat your your opponent. Like that's one of the reasons people say it's a thing. And there are some other reasons that people will mention. But just overall, if we look at the science, the science does not support avoiding sex before athletics. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. And if it is in theory about being aggressive, it's more of a mind thing than a body thing. Yeah, and there are some myths out there that kind of tie in other reasons like losing testosterone and like all of these other things. But once again, if we circle back to the science and we say, what do the studies show? First of all, we don't have like a ton of hardcore science out there, but 
from the evidence we do have, we don't have anything to definitively say that that is, in fact, true. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. I've also heard since you were mentioning that a lot of these studies have been done by men that pads, tampons, products that we use for our periods were oftentimes designed by men, which doesn't necessarily make sense. And now people are talking more and more about the period cups. Do you have any thoughts on those? Yeah, you know, when it comes to period cups, I think it's a personal preference. But in my opinion, you know, I think I think they're great. If that's kind of what you want to do for whatever reason, I they're safe, they're effective. Um, you want to make sure that you find the right size for yourself. And, you know, finding the right size may take a little trial and error, but if you find the right size, it should be a, a snug fit, but it should be painless after you insert it. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're an excellent option. And then on the flip side of that, some people want to continue to use um, tampons. The FDA actually regulates tampons as medical devices. Uh, so I love that the FDA is keeping an eye on things. Um, when it comes to the usage of tampons. But once again, it's a personal preference. And I find that in a lot of situations, some women are just kind of, you know, pro period cup and like that's it for them. And there is nothing else that should be used. And then other women are kind of on the other end of the spectrum. And they're like, "Uh, I do not want to use period cups. So that's kind of what I see from a GYN's perspective. But yeah, I think they're great. And if you want to use them, make sure you're using them appropriately. Make sure that you are cleaning them and, you know, make sure you're using cups made of good products. But yeah, go for it. Yeah, I actually, I'm glad that you mentioned, make sure it's the right size. They were just randomly out of my favorite tampon at Target. And I picked up the, I want to say the Diva Cup, And I posted on Instagram and so many people commented and a lot of people said, you should do some research because you just like picked one off the shelf and you didn't really check if this was the right one for you. There was a lot of Q&As and people that have done comparison posts in terms of like size and, and what would be the best one for you. And it didn't even occur to me at all that there would be like different sizes and options and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of because not all vaginas are the same, right? So not all period cups should be the same. And you have to, and if you look at the instructions on the box or whatever, so whatever brand you pick, there should be some guidance there as far as which cup size might be the best option for you, mm-hmm. like depending upon your age. And like, if you've had a baby before, like all of those different things, but yeah, there should be some guidance there. So yeah, don't just pick one up off the shelf, <laughs> do a little reading, but even if you read it and it says, this is probably the size for you, you may put it on and say, this doesn't feel comfortable. If it doesn't feel comfortable, that's not the right size. Or, you know, you may notice that you're having more Um, leakage than you would expect. And, you know, in that instance, that may not be the right size. Now, I will say, if you feel like you're inserting it correctly, if you feel like you have the appropriate size, but you're noticing that your cup is filling up quickly, then that may mean that your period is a lot heavier than the average woman's. And that may warrant a trip to your gynecologist just to kind of see what's going on and to make sure that, you know, you don't have uterine fibroids or like another reason to be having heavier periods. Because as a gynecologist, I found that some women, they don't have a 
good perception of how heavy their periods should be. Like they've had super heavy periods for so long that they just kind of assume it's normal when in all actuality, it's, it may be a fibroid or something or another issue that we can address to make their menstrual flow lighter, not only to improve the quality of their life, but also, you know, from a practical standpoint, we don't want people to be anemic and things like that. But yeah, yeah, there it's not one size fits all. Yeah, that's that's really interesting too. And I, I think there there are a lot of very different opinions on these. And some people are very like, I am not interested in learning how to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, and it is like, it's not, it's almost like this hesitation to get to know your body, basically, you know? And it's like, the more you know, the better. Like you can only be your own advocate if you are informed about your body. Oh my gosh. I love, love, love that you said that. Absolutely. And while I say, you know, like when we first started talking about the period cups, I said it's a, it's a personal kind of preference thing. And I, so I'm totally okay with it. I'm fine. If people love it, I say, great. If people say it's not my thing, I say, great. There are other options, but just overall know your body and be comfortable with your body. You know, like that, that part, like Mm -hmm. that part is so important to me. Yeah, me too. And I, I think a lot of times with runners, we tow this fine line of, shutting down sometimes our body saying like, Hey, stop, give me a break. You can't do this. Right. And it's like, you you have to figure out where that line is because sometimes it's saying, Hey, I'm tired. And sometimes it's saying, Hey, you have an injury coming on. And it's like, just being self-aware is so important. So yeah, I'm a big advocate for that too. Yeah. And as you know, you're an athlete and athletes by nature are kind of are competitive and it's, it's good to push yourself, but also to know your limits because, you know, while you don't want to just be comfortable and not live up to your true potential when it comes to your athletic ability, there is a point where it's time to say, I've pushed myself enough. It's time to stop. I'm walking that fine line where, you know, you know, I'm walking into a territory where I'm increasing the probability of an injury that will ultimately, you know, could have a profound impact on what I'm able to do in the future as far as athletic. So absolutely. So true. And I I think a lot of times we zone in on what is right in front of us, like the race we are training for right now, or the run that's coming up next, or what we have going on this weekend. And it's like this big picture of you want to be a runner for the rest of your life, potentially you want to have a healthy body for the rest of your life, like take a step back, you know, and, and think about the big picture. For sure. I Agreed. Love 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so to change a little bit, this is another kind of, I don't know if it is a wives tale, common myth or accurate, but I have heard that if you hang out in sweaty capris, workout shorts, whatever, you are more prone to get yeast infections. And I'm, I am specifically, this is like a selfish thing because I like take off my sweaty clothes so quickly after a workout because Mm -hmm. of this, that I don't know if it is, um, is, is there truth in this or does it kind of depend? Yeah. Well, there is truth to that. There is truth to that. Remember that yeast loves warm, moist environments. So when you're just hanging out in those sweaty workout shorts, 
or something like that, then yeah, the yeast is, is that's the environment that the yeast can thrive in. So to reduce your risk of a vaginal yeast infection, you do want to get out of those clothes as soon as you have a chance and just keep the genital region clean and dry. Now, I'm not saying that you can't run, you know, because you're going to sweat, but I'm saying once you're done with your exercising, then yeah, get out of those, get out of those clothes. And, you know, a few other tips when it comes to avoiding yeast infections or trying to prevent yeast infections, you know, you can, you want to wear underwear that has a cotton crotch and doesn't fit too tightly. Also staying away from scented feminine products including bubble baths and things like that, unnecessary antibiotic use, just kind of you can do those other things, like staying away from unnecessary antibiotic use is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So kind of doing those other things can help out as well. But absolutely, there is truth to that. And you have been doing a good thing by getting out of your sweaty clothes quickly. Okay, good. Because sometimes I do it in my car and I'm like, you know, dislocating an ankle, trying to like maneuver myself. I'm like, is this really worth it? Or did I just like... Well, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, wait, I don't want you to dislocate your ankle <laughs> and I don't want you to get like in trouble with the law for, for disrobing in public. So you can wait until you get home. That's okay. But don't like just hang out and you know, clean the house and do all the groceries. Like, don't, you don't have to do all of that stuff. When you, when you have a chance, get out of them. But, you know, if you need to stay in and run an errand or something like that, that's fine. But as quickly as you can get out of them, go ahead and do that. And that is going to help prevent yeast infections. Awesome. And you mentioned cotton underwear. A common question that I get a lot actually is whether or not we should wear underwear under our workout clothes, under our yoga pants. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I like things that will just whatever will draw moisture away, I think is always going to be a good idea. But, you know, people have different comfort levels. And also, honestly, some people are more prone to yeast infections than other people for a number of reasons. If you are a 40-year-old woman and you have always worn underwear under your workout clothes, and you have never had a problem, then there, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, okay, go ahead and do your thing. If you are a patient and you come and see me every two months because you have a yeast infection, then I'm going to run through a list of questions. And if you work out a lot, I'm going to say, first of all, great. I don't want you to stop working out, but let's talk about some things we can change to decrease the probability of you getting a yeast infection. And that might be one of the things that I suggest. But once again, it's going to be patient by patient. So to answer your question, is it an absolute sin for somebody to wear cotton underwear under their workout clothes? No. But if you are constantly getting yeast infections, then we may kind of play around with a few things, a few ideas to try to see what we can do to to decrease the probability of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But in general, you want fabrics that will draw that moisture away from your skin. Mm -hmm. Good to know. I, I feel like I've done a poll in the past because it was a question that was coming up a lot. So I kind of asked one of the Instagram story polls, what do people do? And it seemed like it was kind of down the middle, which I was actually surprised about. I thought most people don't wear underwear underneath mm -hmm. things like yoga pants or, or tight workout shorts. So it seemed like it was pretty, pretty split closely down the middle. 
But yeah, and for sure, you know, and when we talk about things that increase the probability of a yeast infection, tight fitting clothes or like pantyhose, that's definitely one of the things on the list. So once again, it goes back to how's your body doing? Like, are you able to tolerate that? And and what make and what's comfortable for you? Mm-hmm. I like that. One of the things that I think people joke about a lot, but there is some kind of truth in it is saying like, oh, that made me pee my pants or I I peed a little, this bladder leakage. And first I was curious, is this a problem that happens mainly to women who have given vaginal birth or is this something that it depends on the person? It depends on your, your age. There are other factors. Who does this bladder leakage urinary incontinence effect? Well, when we look at bladder leakage, um, it can happen to anybody, but there are some risk factors for urinary incontinence. And when I say urinary incontinence, just to clarify a little bit, there are different types of incontinence. For example, there is something called urge incontinence. And with urge incontinence, your bladder just contracts when it shouldn't. And because of that bladder contraction, you get unintentional leakage of urine. Another type of incontinence is stress urinary incontinence. And stress urinary incontinence is going to be the term that's used when leaks accidentally occur after sudden pressure is put on the bladder. For example, when someone is coughing, sneezing, running, if they're lifting something that's that's heavy, or even if they're doing something like getting out of a car or having sex, any of those movements will put pressure on the bladder. And if the pelvic floor muscles are not able to tighten enough during those activities that put that pressure on the bladder, a person will get an involuntary leak. So that's what we're talking about with incontinence. And there are other types too, but that's kind of the general principle. Like with incontinence, regardless of why you're getting it, you're getting leakage of urine that you did not want, that you didn't ask for. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when we look at risk factors for incontinence, for stress urinary incontinence, let's focus on that one. We know it can happen to anybody, but there are certain risk factors like age, right? Although stress incontinence, it's not a normal part of aging, there are some physical changes that are associated with aging. For example, weakening of those pelvic muscles that we we spoke about. And those changes can make people more susceptible to stress urinary incontinence. Other things are childbirth. You mentioned like vaginal deliveries. And we know that women who who have vaginal deliveries, you know, they're there can definitely be some incontinence there. Also, just pregnancy in general can lead to incontinence. Body weight, people who are overweight or obese have a much higher risk of stress incontinence because of that increased pressure on those muscles. A history of pelvic surgery, for example, after a hysterectomy or something like that. So there are some things that increase the risk of, or I should say, increase the probability of stress urinary incontinence, but it can happen to anybody. And your runners, like high impact sports, like if you're running like all the time, like for years and years, all of those things can can lead to incontinence down the road. Yeah. And I would assume that too, if you already potentially have some other risk factors and you are running, you know, the pounding would Mm -hmm. make it happen more often or more likely, especially when doing that activity. Do 
Kegel's help with this? Is that related at all? Yeah, well, Kegels are helpful, but here's the thing. You have to do them correctly and you have to do them consistently. You know, we're because we're talking about muscles, right? And you go to the gym and you work out your arms. You go to the gym, you work on your legs. Well, you have pelvic muscles. You can't see them. So nobody's going to say, oh, you have sexy pelvic muscles, you know, but there's still muscles and those muscles still need a workout. But when you go to the gym, your trainer can easily say, oh, I think you're doing that particular exercise incorrectly. It doesn't look like your form is right. It's harder with Kegel exercises. So, you know, you can go to the doctor or you can go to a pelvic physical therapist and they can definitely give you tips and tricks and kind of say, okay, I think you're doing it correctly or whatever. They can help you out. But a lot of times women are doing Kegel exercises incorrectly. They think they're they're using the appropriate muscles, but really they are tightening their thigh muscles or they're tightening their abdominal muscles muscles are the buttock muscles. So if you're not doing them correctly, then you're not going to get the results you want. But then, you know, there's the Anovo shark, the Anovo device. And that's what's, what's nice about that device is it's FDA cleared, it's safe, it's clinically effective, and it's truly non-invasive. And it's, it's a really good treatment option for stress urinary incontinence because when you use the Anovo shorts, you are going to get 180 perfect and complete pelvic floor contractions over each 30-minute session. So you ask if Kegel exercises can help. Yes, they can absolutely help if you do them correctly or if you're using something like the Anovo shorts that will help you with those Kegel exercises to make sure they're done correctly. How are you able to tell if you are doing them correctly? Because I feel like everyone is probably doing them right now. <laughs> right now, as, the, as they're listening, because I feel like I would be. But how do you know? You can ask your doctor to kind of walk you through it, and they can give you tips. In some instances, a provider will use something called biofeedback, where, where they will like use little sensors and tell you in the vagina or the rectum, and then they'll tell you to squeeze, and then they'll kind of see if you're kind of squeezing the right muscle. So, but it can be it can be tricky. Kegels are are beneficial, but only if you do them correctly. And if you have any questions about if you are doing them correctly, you definitely just want to, when next time you go for your annual well woman exam, you know, say, hey, I really want to make sure I'm doing my Kegels correctly. Can you give me some tips? Can you help me figure out if I'm doing them right? And because runners, we want to know how long, how many reps, you know, it is, you likened it to a workout, right? Is there a recommended amount of them frequency like every day every other day is there a recommended kind of regimen for it you want to aim for at least three sets of 10 to 15 repetitions a day and is this like a double bonus because i feel like uh, i have thought that kegels are helpful to keep your vagina tight and we're talking about them in reference to preventing bladder leakage. Obviously, they're very closely located on your body. Are there any benefits that way in terms of and and I because I feel like too this is like a hot thing right now is doing like laser vaginal tightening or there mm-hmm. other kind of things. It, it, does this go hand in hand? Is it related at all? 
Well, vaginal rejuvenation, that's a totally different subject that we could spend like 17 <laughs> hours talking about. I have some I have some thoughts there for sure. But, you know, they can the Kegel exercises are this device, which will give you great Kegels. Uh, yeah, they can help keep things tight there. And then, you know, also, honestly, sexual satisfaction. When you talk about just kind of keeping those muscles in shape there, uh, that can really, it makes sex better. Yeah, to, to say it bluntly, it can make sex better. Um. <laughs> but the, the Kegel exercises, I won't say that they will tighten your, like, tighten your vagina and just, like, revolutionize the the way vaginas are, you know, shaped and stuff. But Kegel exercises are just beneficial overall because it's muscles, right? You work, you need to work your muscles out. So you're working your muscles out and overall you can have a better sexual experience because you do Kegels or you use the Anovo shards and you're just, you're taking care of, of that region. Is there anything else that you wish women were asking or if nothing else, you know, asking their doctor about or checking in with their friends? Like, are there things that we kind of should be, I don't know, more aware of on our bodies and checking in with? You know, honestly, it's nothing specific, but it goes back to what you mentioned earlier. Just, I think it's about knowing your body and being comfortable with your body and not being too embarrassed to ask any question, like any question. Um, a lot of times I'll have patients and they will say, I'm embarrassed to ask you about this. And it's like something like vaginal discharge or they're having incontinence issues or they're having, you know, hot flashes or, or just whatever. And number one, I don't want anybody, and I know my colleagues feel like this as well. We don't want anybody to, to feel uncomfortable asking us any questions. Number two, a lot of the things that they are reluctant to talk about, like most of the people in the waiting room have the same issue, you know, so it's honestly nothing to be embarrassed about. And we, we literally went to school to help people with sensitive, sensitive topics, you know, so we want you to get better because we want you to get better, but also, you know, you help us keep a job. So you're actually, you're doing us a favor by coming in and talking about your, your issues. Everybody wins. So please, please, please don't be embarrassed. When it comes to any female issues at all, um, we really are there to help you. If you find that you are in a situation where you don't feel comfortable talking to your healthcare provider, honestly, that may be a situation where you need to find a new provider because you should never feel judged. You should never feel embarrassed. And, you know, honestly, I nothing surprises me. I have not been surprised in, like, in forever, just because mm-hmm. even though issue, and I'm not saying that to make people feel as though I'm trying to minimize the importance of their problem or make it less significant or anything like that. I'm trying to make people feel comfortable because most of the things that people are reluctant to tell us about, we hear about it all the time, or we've at least heard about it before. So just talk to your healthcare provider about anything. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, I think. I think they've heard it all. You know, like you're not the first person to come with this problem. Or if you are like, they've heard a lot weirder stuff. Like, so it's just like, I'm not going to be embarrassed. 
don't be. Yeah, don't, we're we're there to help you. And once again, if you feel judged at any point, you should not feel that. You should not feel that way. And, you know, that may be time to ask your friends, who's your gynecologist? Do you like them or do you like her, you know? And then just kind of switching it up a little bit. But you should be in a situation where you feel respected and safe and you feel free to say whatever it is that you want to say or free to ask whatever question you want to ask. Yes, I agree. I really, yes, I agree. And I think it is, uh, it's never occurred to me to think, to consider maybe you should change your healthcare professional if you really hate going and you're dreading it or you're stressed or you feel like you can't be honest. It's like, yeah, it's so Mm -hmm. important. Although I will say, I know that the annual well woman exams will never be at the top of anybody's (laughs) list when it comes to fun things to do. Although I do have an ongoing debate with my patients. They say some of them will tell me that the dentist, is better than an annual well woman exam. So there's, there's that. Cause I feel like, you know, nobody likes the dentist. So I don't know if we're there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I actually outside of, I agree with like the well woman exam specifically, like I don't look forward to aspects of that, but going to the doctor when I have a random problem, a question, like I want something to be looked into. I enjoy that. Like, I like, I'm like a weirdo. I'm kind of like a hypochondriac, but not about anything serious. So I like my doctor. I go fairly often, you know, and I feel like I can ask about anything. And I am, I try to be very efficient with the time too, where it's like, I will make notes and I'm not a type A person about anything except when I'm going to the doctor and I'm like, oh, I got to remember to ask this, this, and this, like I will full on make a little note in my app. Because, yeah. Yes. And and that is important because you can forget your questions, you know. So I, yeah, jot your questions down. And even when they're talking, if you want to jot stuff down while they're talking, feel free to do that. But I I love that even though, you know, I'm, I'm a female, I know that going, having an annual well woman exam is not the highlight, highlight of anybody's year. But at the same time, just knowing that it is important. And even if you're not having signs or symptoms of anything, then, you know, we're still screening you for certain things, you know, and that's that's what's great about it, because it's better to to find out about something early on before you're having symptoms and, you know, get on it then if it's something that needs to be treated. So even though it's it's not, you know, necessarily something that we look forward to as women, it's very important for us to to do it and also some women want to but they're so busy taking care of everybody else that they say I don't have time to go to the doctor because I have to do this this and this but just you know that's another thing or another discussion but just as women just making sure that you make time for yourself because number 1 you deserve to be healthy and happy and whole and number 2 the people that you are busy taking care of like they they want you to be healthy too, so you can continue to to be there to love and support them. So yeah, make sure you take the time to take care of yourself. So how can we follow along, get more information? You have a ton of fun. I lo- I love the way you approach everything because it's a very fun way to teach. So where can we get more information and follow along with you? Oh well, thank you. 
Uh, my handle on Instagram and Twitter and also just across the board, Facebook, is Dr. Nita Landry. So it's just D-R-N-I-T-A-L-A-N-D-R-Y. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Nita. I'll put links in the show notes to everything that we mentioned too. So if anyone wants more information, they can check it out. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I hope that was informative and interesting. Like I said, I'll put links on runitrepeat.com to Dr. Nita's social media and website. And if you have any questions for an upcoming episode, make sure to ask. You can email runitrepeat at gmail.com or leave a voicemail. That number is 562-888-1644. Now let's get to the awards. First place goes to my immune system. That is the real MVP this week, last week, and potentially always, especially because despite the fact that I was not kind to my body, I'm still alive and kicking. So first place all the way. Second place goes to my new Fabletics leggings because I just got another pair today as a delivery. And I'm going to try their sports bras. I haven't tried them before, but I really think that the Fabletics leggings are the reason for several positive interactions in my life last week. Full credit goes to that. And third place goes to bigger, better dog waste bags because Diego is a large dog and he has large bell movements. Suddenly I'm trying to be all discreet after the questions I asked today. <laughs> what? But I left Diego when I, before the night of the race, I left Diego at a friend's house and I realized that I had just run out of poop bags in his little container thing that connects onto the dog leash. And so when I dropped him off, I was just like, this is empty. Like just giving a heads up. I have other bags. I just hadn't refilled it yet. And when I picked him up, I saw that he had put in a new little roll of poop bags and they are changing my life because they're just like a more quality bag. He's fancier than me. He has more money than me. I'm like buying the cheap bags. I thought it was fine. I'm literally picking up poop with it. Do I need a fancy bag? Well, I think I might with this dog who I openly joke has irritable bowel syndrome. He just has some digestive issues, which I'm not going to talk ish about today, given the fact that I had such a challenging race, right? Yeah, no. But I am very reluctantly so appreciative of this bigger, fancier poop bag. And I'm sure they probably cost four times as much. I haven't even checked yet, but I might have to convert to the bigger, fancier bag. I just saw that there's a cricket just freaking walking around the floor right here. Diego's actually at my friend's house right this second. So otherwise he would try to eat it. And I don't kill crickets because I've heard they are good luck. Is that true or false? 
Does everyone follow this practice? Anyways, I really appreciate when you tag at run, eat, repeat on Instagram and let me know what you're doing while listening. Like at Brittany G on Instagram, who queued up the podcast and shared it in her stories last time. If you have any questions, like I said, go ahead and send them over. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com. You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at runeatrepeat. And on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash run, eat, repeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.